1: I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fit the Mission. Some of my favorite restaurants this year have been Bay Area restaurants that have elevated cultural cuisines. I'm thinking of Viridian and Bombera in Oakland, Ox and Tiger in Rintaro in San Francisco. There's also another restaurant I tried for the first time this year, Calavera, an upscale Mexican restaurant in Uptown Oakland. It's not on my favorite list. It was tasty enough, though I did walk away from the meal feeling sort of ambivalent. There's something about the vibe that I just couldn't put my finger on. Luckily, Chronicle restaurant critic Cesar Hernandez helped me understand what I was feeling in his latest piece. It's titled, What Does Gentrification Taste Like? This Dreadful Oakland Restaurant Serves It on a Tortilla. Ouch. Here's Cesar describing what he means.
0: The taste wasn't right. The, the ambiance wasn't right. The clientele, something about it just didn't seem familiar to me as someone who grew up eating Mexican food.
1: Caesar also says Calavera looks like gentrification.
0: It had like this clean sort of look. It's industrial and like there's like exposed bricks. This was sort of catering to the brunch crowd who's just seeking, you know, alcohol and, and and a good time.
1: If you need even more of a visual, Caesar paints this scene.
0: I went for brunch and it was just mostly like young women who eat. Their tacos with forks, and they just kind of like leave this sad tortilla. And it, I don't know, it's something about it. Just that I think was when like I was like, okay, something is really off here.
1: In his latest review, Caesar is offering an opinion about Calavera that others have been hesitant to share.
0: I think in the food world, at least from the, the people that I encountered and talk about this restaurant with, they were they were hesitant to talk about it. Many people that I talked to were like, I'd prefer you not put this on the record.
1: Today on 5th Emission, restaurant critic Cesar Hernandez goes on the record. He tackles a longtime favorite topic in the Bay Area, gentrification, but this time it's through the lens of food. What does food gentrification mean? Are restaurants like Calavera a product or a driver of gentrification, and how can restaurant diners make more intentional choices in where they choose to eat? I started my conversation with Caesar, asking him to answer the question he posed in his story's headline, what does gentrification taste like?
0: That's sort of what the story evolved to. Something about it is, is sort of like eerie. It's like this sixth sense where something doesn't feel right. Something feels a little off, but you can't really put your finger on it. It, it doesn't feel like it has that familiarity, at least for me, that Mexican food sort of inspires. Different types of Mexican food, different types of dishes are very personal, and I think that that always comes through. And something about this felt, I don't know, kind of soulless.
1: Now, Cesar, you're from Los Angeles. You moved to the Bay recently to join the Chronicle. Why focus in on Calavera? Is it because it had sort of a reputation? You wanted to interrogate? Maybe you had a different perspective than the rest of the Bay Area? What was sort of your lens?
0: So I live in Oakland. And I have, a, I mean, I obviously like have a lot of love for Oakland because I think it's a, it's a great city with a lot of history. And I feel like in my work as a critic, I have never really engaged with the idea of gentrification. And it felt like you're sort of not supposed to, because I think the inclination with food media is to like, look at the great things that are happening. Right. And I credit Soleil for a lot of this. Soleil Ho, the, the restaurant critic for the Chronicle they really engage with these ideas and they really are a great person to sort of talk about these things. So we had been discussing, like, what if we do something about gentrification? Admittedly, I think food media contributes to it in some way, this process of gentrification. So I I wanted to engage with it directly. I really had to dig into the research because, you know, in LA, there's a lot of like contentious sort of like history with 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 changing neighborhoods or cities. And you know, you don't talk about other people's cities or neighborhoods if you're not from there. So I really wanted to be respectful of that. I wouldn't say that one restaurant is the cause of of gentrification. It's it's really like an entire process. And some of the restaurants that I love in Oakland like Veridian, Lovelies and and some of the coffee shops that I like, these are all places that I visit and and have enjoyed and have written about, but at the same time I'm not really addressing this like main thing that a lot of people in Oakland really care about. So I wanted to engage with it directly. And this is sort Mm -hmm. of that through my own lens of my own culture.
1: Well, let's talk a little bit about the area that Calavera is in. It's a part of downtown Oakland that's been rebranded as Uptown more than a decade ago. Describe how this area has changed and is still
0: changing. From my research, a lot of what it is today has been shaped since Jerry Brown's tenure, who Really wanted to draw folks in. He had this plan called the 10K plan. Some people refer to it as Jerryfication, And the idea was to like change what the neighborhood looks like and draw in more business and draw in more, more people to come. And this New York Times piece from 2010, this retrospective that sort of looks at uh, Jerry Brown's tenure and how he was so open to developers. One developer, his name is Michael Giometti. He is the head of this development group called the Signature Development Group. And he talks about how accessible Jerry Brown was to developers. And Michael is the owner or the developer behind Calavera, which is part of this mixed use building called The Hive, which has like specialty coffee and like ice cream and uh, a bakery and and apartments. It's like looking at the developers and like sort of these bigger forces really helps you see how a lot of this is intentional, how it looks today, how we eat in Oakland, how People spend their money there. was really shaped by larger forces that started so long ago.
1: Now, we start this conversation with you describing how gentrification can kind of taste like, how you can identify it. Bay Area residents at this point, gentrification has been an issue for so long that we know how to spot it when it comes to neighborhoods, when we walk around or drive around a neighborhood. What are some maybe main indicators of gentrification when it comes to food or restaurants?
0: I think the easiest one for something like Mexican food, which has this reputation of being, you know, considered to be relatively cheap or it's supposed to be cheap because I think that that's how most people have experienced it. I think that price plays a huge deal in that. But it's also like the idea of who's this for? Are you purposely taking this food that most people consider to be in a certain price range and selling that to a different audience I want to be careful here to not say that like Mexican food shouldn't be pricey. That's that's not at all what I'm saying. Really, what it is is that like you can tell when food is good and when it's not. And I think that if you're charging people an extra price and you're not delivering on like the simple promise of at least this should be good, it feels like you're profiting from a culture without respecting it in some ways. And I think that there are plenty of folks like, uh, I think La Calenda comes to mind, which is in yantville which is part of the Thomas Keller Group. And they're, that's fancy tacos. You know, it's pretty pricey, but it's good. They do a good job and, and they like, they do all of the things that you need to do, the same kind of stuff that Calavera does, like in house nixtamalization, which is like alkalizing corn and then grinding it to make tortillas. Someone like Bombera, open in Oakland, does, does a similar thing. And I think you can taste. How good the food is. You can taste the intentionality. You can taste like this is more than just like a bowl of beans. And Mm -hmm. that bowl of beans is better than everything I had at Calavera. And it's like Mm
1: -hmm.
0: not as expensive in some ways.
1: More with Chronicle restaurant critic Cesar Hernandez after a short break. Why did Calavera have to agree to a large settlement with more than 250 employees earlier this year? And what did it have to do with food gentrification? We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Cesar Hernandez, aside from the food, the decor, and the vibe of Calavera, you also argue in your piece that the gentrification of food can also happen inside the kitchen with its workers. In 2016, more than 100 workers sued Calavera for failing to pay them fairly. And earlier this year, the restaurant agreed to a settlement with 263 employees, though the details of that aren't clear. You spoke to one of those workers. What did you learn?
0: One of the things that I really wanted to make sure that I got right was the idea of the lawsuit. And and I spoke to sort of like the face of the movement because it became a class action. Her name is Flor Cristosomo. And she's Zapotec. She's from Oaxaca, which is, you know, she's indigenous from Oaxaca. And she was excited for, for this concept because it sort of like celebrates her culture. But there were some things that were off, according to her. The first was that she alleges that they brought in a molino, which is a a stone mill, to grind corn. But the thing is, they didn't know how to use it. She alleges that she started to take on these responsibilities of sort of a chef or an executive chef, but without being compensated for it. I have to say that I spoke to the previous owner of Calavera, Chris Pistena, and he claims that these claims are false. But what she did tell me was, like, if Mexican food is so elaborate... And it takes so much from people because I I believe that Mexican food is very personal and very laborious. Why don't people get credit for it? The reason why she felt the need to involve herself with this lawsuit is because she felt like it was more than just labor issues. It was also cultural issues. What is clear is that certainly, at least to me, that Calavera is profiting from a culture and a cuisine without sort of like acknowledging it. And again, I have to add, because I spoke to Chris Pistena, he says that they recently announced a, a change in ownership and they are passing it on to the workers, two of which are of Mexican descent. My issue with that and saying that is complaining that Oaxacan culture and Mexican culture are the same, but I don't believe that they are. One is heavily influenced by its indigenous populations and the other is like, a nation state. It's it's very different things. And I think borrowing so heavily from a culture is pretty evident in the food, in the vibe, everything with Calabana.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, Cesar, you're dropping knowledge on Mexican cuisine that maybe not a lot of people know about. For me, I'm more familiar with Asian food because I'm Asian. And I've been excited by a lot of Bay Area API chefs who've been doing sort of innovative New things with their businesses, and they've been upscaling the food, right? I'm thinking about things like Oakland's Viridian or San Francisco's Ox and Tiger. How do we negotiate paying higher prices for ethnic dishes that maybe we grew up eating, when it might price out members of our own community? How do we reconcile that?
0: Yeah, I think that's that's the question. That's that's really it's really tough. Uh, I personally love Viridian, you know, like I think that it's great, and it's it's. Unlike anything that's in Oakland or LA for that matter. This question I think is thrown around a lot. Sure, to to these upscale Mexican restaurants, but also pop-ups, because they are selling this food that requires more labor or more investment in, in, in ingredients. But I think realistically, my issue is less the price. Mm. Where it starts to be an issue is where like you suddenly feel sort of like cheated for paying this high tax on a food and you're not sort of delivering. If you're demanding that I pay for this on top of what's already like expected because of inflation and you don't deliver on the promise of someone who could do this for a lot cheaper, then I feel like you are in some ways cheating an audience. Mm-hmm. That at least has to be good if you're going to charge that much. And I think that that's the the barest promise. And I think something like the ones that you mentioned, like Viridian, they deliver on that. Not only is it is it good but it's like innovative and creative and like none of that is there at Calavera the the few innovations that they try to bring are ridiculous
1: well i like what you said at the at the top of our conversation cuz you said it's almost sort of like a sixth sense or intuition thing when you know something isn't exactly right and when it comes to upscale food of my culture that i like it's because it's not just repeating something I know, it's building on it mm. and it's expanding the culture. Is that sort of how you feel about the restaurants that actually
0: do it right? 100%. One of the examples that I sort of like take a look at as, as someone doing it right is the Alta California movement that was happening in LA. It was a lot of chefs who were Chicano and have ties to Mexican heritage, but don't come from there. But at the same time, they're in LA and, and they're in California and they're using the ingredients that make sense to them. I feel like if you're trying to celebrate the culture, the least you could do is make it good. And that's not to say that like people who aren't from Mexican culture can't make great Mexican food. I've had amazing Mexican food that isn't made by Mexican folks. But a lot of these foods that I tried at Calavera were cultural foods that I grew up with, like regional Mexican food. Torta comes to mind, which a Torta ahogada, for those that don't know, is like a drowned sandwich, a drowned carnita sandwich from Jalisco. And they have it on the menu at Calavera and it's it's sort of presented in this weird way where it's like a cut in half sandwich and both ends are sort of like put facing upwards and it's drowned in like this thick tomato sauce. And it loses all semblance of what it's trying to imitate or I don't know. It's just something about it just tastes wrong, feels wrong. And looks wrong.
1: And maybe feels a little insulting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, I have never, for the record, have ever, ever called anything gentrification. Because I feel like it's uh, at least food. I've never called a food gentrification because I feel like that's kind of a specious claim to make, right? But I feel like it was undeniable in some ways. When I tried this, I was like, "What? What the? what is this? Who is this for? Well, I want to...
1: Share a part of your piece with listeners, and you're describing just exactly this sentiment right here. You say, "Quote: As I studied the brunch crowd, I was nagged by a central question: Who is this restaurant for? It's certainly not for me. It's not for anyone who likes and respects Mexican food. My answer: It's apparently for diners who confuse cost and ambiance for taste. So, Caesar, how can diners be more intentional?" about where they choose to eat when they aren't maybe as familiar with the culture, but they have a curiosity about it?
0: Okay. In my piece, I tried really hard to sort of like find the hope in this because I feel like in a capitalist system, we like to think of the solution to be like, sort of invest in the places that do it right. And I don't think that that's gonna solve it. Being an informed diner is great. And I think that that's, I think you should support the folks who do it well, right? But I also feel like, in some ways, it's good to have the bad ones because you, you know what the good ones are, right? It took me sort of like sinking to the lowest <laughs> the lowest level of Mexican food in <laughs> Oakland to really shine light on the great stuff. So if you're at a restaurant and they're telling you how much this is an authentic experience, if all the marketing for a restaurant, something like Calavera is telling you that they go to all these steps to like create an authentic experience... And it still doesn't taste good. I think that that's when you sort of know, like, oh, this isn't doing it right by me or by anyone else who really respects Mexican food. But I I don't want to say that, like, you should never go to bad Mexican restaurant experiences, because I feel like they really do give you a perspective on how much better this food can be.
1: So you mentioned that you spoke to the previous owner of Calavera. You raised your concerns to him. What was his response to your your notion that his restaurant was gentrifying?
0: I asked him two questions. I asked him about gentrification, specifically Uptown Oakland gentrification. And he sort of like talked about how this used like, used to be a dirt lot and how 15 years ago, no one would have walked by Luca's. He's referring to Luca's Tap Room. So he started talking about how like, we're doing a lot of good for the community. We're contributing in these ways. And when I raised the question of, of cultural appropriation, he said that why does it have to be appropriation? Why can't it just be celebration? He talked about like giving money back to mezcal producers and like buying bikes. These sort of like deflections that I don't really think got to the the root of the question. But I felt like I had to ask him to see what he thought, and I, I don't think that he really sees himself as someone who is gentrifying or is part of that.
1: Mm. Well, Caesar, thank you for interrogating this topic for us. I mean, we're a region known for being foodies, and I love that you're making us think about that even deeper. I appreciate the time. Thank you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for inviting me.
1: Caesar Hernandez is a restaurant critic at The Chronicle. Find his story about Oakland's Calavera restaurant at sfchronicle.com slash food and on The Chronicle app. Now, if you want some more positive restaurant reviews, Caesar and his fellow Chronicle restaurant critic Soleil Ho just published their list of the Bay Area's 15 best new restaurants of 2022. You can also find that at sfchronicle.com slash food. Thank you to King Kaufman for editing this episode and to you for listening.